All right, now with that, I'm gonna invite a very good friend of mine, Armando, Pastor Armando, to come on out. Uh, if, you're, if you're new to Northlands, Armando, he is one of our elders here. Um, him and his wife, Alba, they lead our Northlands Espanol service and that congregation. Greg, while he was gone, he left preaching up to me and he said, Tyler, you can preach or pick who you preach. And so I preached last week and now I'm just picking my friends. Uh, that's how, look, if you have, if you got the, the authority, you gotta use it, you know what I'm saying? So I called up Armando, I was like, hey man, preach the 21st. And so he was very gracious. Um, would you extend your hands with me? I just wanna pray over him real quick. I think he's got a word for us today um, that I'm really excited about and I think there's something on it. But Lord, thank you so much for this man. Thank you for the gift that he is to our community, for the friend and brother that he is to me. I'm so grateful for him, Lord. Now, Lord, I ask that you would anoint his words, and Lord, would you feed your flock today? Would you watch over our hearts and minds, and would you transform us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. It's good to have friends, amen. Good morning, Northlands Church. Buenos, buenos dias, right? Don't worry, the, I'm gonna be preaching in English today, so uh, no worries. Um, and uh, I know you probably saw this, uh, this uh, big black uh, garbage bag that I have up here. Um, Tyler had a net last week. How many of you were here last week? He had a net, so I figured I needed to bring a prop, right? Because he's not going to outdo me. Um, so I have, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll start with this story. Um, today, the Lord has put a word on my heart. Uh, we have been in a season where the Lord is calling us to himself. He's calling us into intimacy. Uh, there's different ways to seek the Lord. Uh, but today I'm going to be speaking uh, about what is developed within intimacy. Within intimacy, one of the things that is developed is obedience. And last week, I know Tyler brought an amazing message about obedience. And um, back on Easter Sunday, uh, some of you probably heard a little snippet of my testimony uh, well, I, I am an 80s and 90s kid. Where are my 80s and 90s kids? All right. All right. All right. All right. You're excited? That's good. That's good. So uh, for the younger generation, maybe for the Gen Z that's in the house, I, I, I want to introduce you to something called a CD. Uh, uh, CD, uh, CD means compact disc is where we used to listen to music. Uh, and, and they were amazing. Uh, back on uh, April 14th, 1996, th that's the day that Jesus met me on the road. That's the day that uh, he literally and radically just saved me. And, and I remember a few weeks into my relationship with Jesus, uh, as he was just transforming my heart, he was just uh, changing my language and so many of these things. And um, early on in my walk, um, I had a pretty extensive CD collection. How many of you had an extensive CD collection? How many of you still have it? Oh, wow, that's, that's impressive. That's impressive. Uh, and I remember, um, I, you know, I grew up in New York City, and I grew up listening to, you know, East Coast rap, and I listened to all kinds of music. I apologize for the country, folks. I uh, was never really into country, but I, I had this wider range of, of desires and, and, and just the, the type of music that I listened to. I listened to rap. I listened to uh, 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 Public Enemy. I, I listened to uh, a band called Pearl Jam, and I listened to a bunch of different types of styles of music. And I remember one day the Lord speaking to me, and, and it was one of those aha moments. I was like, oh my God, I feel like God is speaking to me. And what he was saying to me, I didn't really like. How many of you have ever experienced that before? Oh my God. And I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, 
I want you to take all your CDs. I remember I had over 300 CDs. So I had invested time. I had invested uh, uh, resources, right? I had to buy a big boom box, right, to play these CDs. And I remember the Holy Spirit saying to me, take all your CDs, put them in a black garbage bag, and go toss them. Wow. So I'm thinking, I'm doing the math, right? That was my first reaction. Wow, how much am I about to throw away, Lord? And I just felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit telling me, I want you to get rid of those CDs. Now, I'm not telling you today to get rid of your CDs, if you have any, right? They're going to be collectibles at one point. So, and I remember, uh, I lived in a, in a five-story building, and I remember we had a dumpster in the back, and I remember that I started putting all my CDs in this bag, and, and I just, I saw, oh man, Bob Marley, oh man, that's a good one. Oh man, you know, oh, you know, uh, NWA, oh, that's not that good, but it's going to go in there anyway. And I remember after I had put all my CDs in this bag, and it was pretty heavy, so I had to double bag it. I remember that I grabbed this bag, and at that moment I said, Lord, I am going to obey what you're telling me to do. So I remember I walked down five, five flights of stairs, and I got to the dumpster, and you know, I, was, I hesitated for a few moments there because I knew that I had uh, invested so much time and resources into, into these CDs. And then I, I, at one moment, you know, I was kind of fighting, and I was like, I, was like, I don't know if I could do this. And, and then I just felt the Lord say, you can do this. This is, this is for your betterment. This is going to take some of the noise away from your life. And I remember that I took the bag and I dropped it in the trash can. I, I might have had a tear rolling down my cheek. I'm not sure. But I do remember it was one of those first real moments in my relationship with Jesus where he was calling me to give something up. And today, he's calling many of us in this room to give something up. Maybe it's not CDs. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's political idolatry. Whatever it may be. But he is calling us today to walk in a life in full submission to Jesus. How many can say amen? amen. Remember, I, 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 I appreciate you shouting me down. I appreciate you saying amen. You know, I'm one of those uh, active preachers. So uh, if you could just bear with me for the next two hours, we'll be done. <laughs> now, let me say this. It wasn't wrong that I had all of these CDs. But it was unnecessary noise that I was getting rid of so I could clearly hear the voice of God. And being obedient is about not just clearly hearing the voice of God, but doing what the voice of God is telling you to do. There's a saying that says that delayed obedience is still disobedience. That was a good one. That was a good one. That was a good one. So... As, as a church, we have been uh, just in a season where the Lord is calling us to just deep intimacy. And intimacy is defined as a close friendship. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is inviting us to the secret place. There is Psalm 91 verse 1 that says, He who dwells, the key being dwells, 
in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Lord is calling us into the secret place. And this is a place of deep intimacy. It is a place where we grow closer and closer to Jesus. This is a place where the character of Jesus is being forged in us. And this is the place where the Lord is calling us in this season. Now, over the last month, Tyler has been preaching some amazing messages, and he's been sharing some of the keys to intimacy. And some of these keys to intimacy is, is that, it, you know, the truth of the matter is for us, right? We are all longing for unconditional acceptance. We're all longing for closeness, and we want to be cared for. We want to be known. We want to be understood, and we want to be loved for who we are. And let me tell you, you find all of that in the secret place. We find our identity, we find our meaning in the secret place with Jesus. How many of you can say amen? amen. Now, intimacy produces something in us. And as Tyler has been preaching over the last month, uh, he, 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 he preached the message that he wants to take the shame off of you. Yeah. Right? How many of you want the shame taken off? Amen. And, and he's also, he also talked about how to develop a childlike heart. I know I want to be childlike. Uh, we pray full-hearted prayers, bold prayers, because we know that our Heavenly Father will answer our prayers. And the other keys to intimacy is just going and pursuing the presence of God. Uh, in, in, our, in our 1 p.m. service in Northlands Espanol, we have been uh, ministering under the theme, Pursuing God's Presence. So we see how the Lord is just speaking to us. He's being direct, and he has given us an order. Come and seek me. Come and be in my presence, because I have greater things in store. Now, intimacy with God produces something on the inside of us. And Tyler spoke last week about full submission. What does full submission look like in our lives today? Now, let me tell you this. Obedience is birthed and developed in intimacy with God. Now, the truth of the matter is that Jesus demands full submission. That's non-negotiable. If we are a disciple of Jesus, if we call ourselves followers of Jesus, we know that he is demanding full submission. If we say today and declare that he is our rabbi, if we say today he is sitting on the throne of our hearts, then we must be fully submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. If he is our rabbi, that is the question. If he sits on the throne of our hearts, he must have full control. Jesus demands from us the type of life that he lived. And he lived in full submission to the Father. Now, I don't know if you heard, but uh, uh, on Friday, uh, a great man of God named Tim Keller passed away. Uh, and, and, and Tim Keller said something powerful when it comes to obedience. This is what he said. Obedience is not about the do's and don'ts. It's about a full allegiance to Jesus Christ. That's good. I'm going to say it again. It's not about rules. It's not, it's not about what you do or don't do. It's about your allegiance being to the Lord Jesus. Because I have learned that obedience is not a, about a preferred outcome. 
Obedience is not a preferred outcome. I've been guilty of this. In my head and in my heart, I'm like, Lord, I'm going to obey you because I want you to do this for me. How many of you have been there before? I'm going to be honest with you today. I'm going to take my mask off and I'm going to be honest with you. There have been times that I said, Lord, I'm going to be generous and I'm going to give because I know there's something coming back to me. I'm going to obey because I want you to do this for me. But the truth of the matter is this. That obedience is not about a preferred outcome. Obedience is about Jesus being Lord of our lives. And we do what he says because he is Lord. In John 12, 49 and 50, this paints such a great picture of Jesus' relationship to the Father. And it shows his radical obedience. Look what John 12, 49 50 says. For I have not spoken of my own authority. This is Jesus we're talking about. This is the miracle worker that we're talking about. We're talking about the man who prayed for blind eyes to open. We're talking about the man who calmed the storms of the sea. We're talking about the man who rose the dead. And he is saying here, for I have not spoken of my own authority, but the father sent me, gave me a command what I should say, and what I should speak. And I know that his command is everlasting life. Man, that is good. His commands are everlasting life. And it says, therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father has told me, so I speak. In other words, Jesus is saying, I love my Father, and because I love him, he loves me, and I'm going to do exactly what he tells me to do. That is a life of radical obedience. Jesus did nothing of his own will. Everything he did was the Father's will. And Jesus came on this search and rescue mission for the lost, but everything that he did was guided and ordained by the Father above. Now, what is Jesus saying here? I live to do my Father's will because his commands are everlasting life. Jesus lived a, in radical obedience. Now, what does that mean for us today? You can say, hey, you know what? That, that's that's, that's kind of cool what you're saying. You know, I love the whole radical obedience thing. But what does that really look like in our lives today? Practically, right? In our everyday lives, what does that look like in our everyday life? What is radical obedience? Listen to this. Radical obedience does not seek to comply to the minimal standards, okay? But it pursues extravagant, lavish fulfillment. That's the life that Jesus lived. That is the life that he lived. He was not here merely to comply to orders, but he was here living out a mission that was expressed through radical obedience, because la radical obedience leads to undeniable power. Radical obedience leads to undeniable power. When we see Jesus moving in the gospels, when we see Jesus ministering to people and healing the sick and doing all these miracles, we see that because he was walking in obedience, the Father was using him with great power. Hallelujah. We see in Mark 135 that it says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places to pray. 
because he was building the relationship he had with his father. He was living in intimacy with the father. And because he was living in intimacy with the father, we saw that the father used him with power. Matthew chapter 6 says, when you do pray, go into the secret place, close the door, leave your iPad and your iPhone behind, and spend some time with God. And what does that say to us? When we pray in, in private, God will release his power publicly. What does that mean? Private prayers always equal to public power. And this is what we see in the life of Jesus Jesus lived a life of complete obedience to the Father. Submission is the lifestyle of a disciple, and that lifestyle is lived through obedience. Now, what does the word obedience mean? I looked it up because I, I wasn't too sure. Obedience means to follow instructions, but it also means to honor where our behavior Follow instructions, but also honor with our behavior. And if we look at the life of Jesus, he is the best example of what it is to live a life in full obedience. He followed the instructions his father gave him, and he honored him with his life until he went to the cross. This is the lifestyle of those of us who follow Jesus. And then throughout scripture, we see that God used men and women in miraculous ways. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I, just, I just get lost reading in scripture how God used normal men and women, common people just like us, with great power. When you look at the life of Abraham, you look at the life of Moses, you look at the life of Elijah, and how God used these men powerfully, miraculously. And what that leads me to believe is that when we walk in obedience, it opens the door to the miraculous. Jesus obeyed his father, and he went to the cross, died, but on the third day rose again. Let's put ourselves in, the, in, in, in Jesus' sandals, right? His air Jesus's, right? Let's think about that. He comes to earth. First of all, he, he volunteered. I'm going on that mission. There's no one else that can, can do this mission but me. So Jesus comes to earth, and he knows why he's here. He knows that he's on a search and rescue mission. He came to search for that which was lost. He came to heal the sick. But he knew that eventually this obedience that he was walking out was going to lead him to certain death. Just think about it. When Jesus is around the bonfire, hanging out with his disciples, breaking bread, but in his mind and in his heart, he knew that he was here on a mission to die. He was here on a mission to give up his life for you and me in complete submission to the Father because radical obedience leads to undeniable power. There is just something that flows in our life when we're walking in obedience to the Lord and his will. Love what Paul says in Philippians 2.8. And he, speaking of Jesus, says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He humbled 
himself and became obedient to the point of death and even the death on the cross. Let me tell you that we all know that death on the cross was absolutely horrific. I've heard different medical studies about the crucifixion and it's just something horrible. And we think about the life of Jesus that he came for that specific purpose. Jesus came to search and to rescue us. And he humbled himself to the death on a cross. A life fully submitted to the Father. Radical obedience lived out in the pages of Scripture. Hallelujah. We see that everything Jesus did was the Father's will. Now, the question for us today we read about the life of Jesus. We read about the life of the disciples. We, live, we read about the life of Paul and how he lived this life of obedience. And the question for us today is, why don't we live a fully submitted life? What's keeping us? What is your bag of CDs? Right? I think all, I want all of us to leave here today and, 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 you know, mentally and, and spiritually thinking about that bag of CDs in your life that you need to throw away. And for some of us, he's been speaking to us for quite some time. For some of us, it might be years. Leave that relationship. Leave that job. Leave that friendship. Leave that alcohol. Leave that addiction. Right? So the Lord may have been speaking to many of us here for quite some time. And today is the day that we leave our bag of CDs at the altar. So we can clear up all the unnecessary noise in our lives. Because there's so many things that are fighting for our devotion. There's so many things that want us to worship those things. But today, we're talking about obedience. Today, we're talking about radical obedience. So, why don't we live a life fully submitted? I'll tell you this. The process of obedience is painful. How many of you can say amen? The process of obedience is painful, but the outcome of obedience is always powerful. The process of obedience, man, it hurts to go against what I want to do. Paul said, even Paul said it. He's like, man, the things I want to do, I end up not doing. And what I don't want to do is what I always end up doing. So what Paul is saying, instead of reading my Bible, I binge Netflix. I I don't think they had Netflix back then, but... But that's kind of a modern uh, paraphrasing of what Paul is saying. Because a lot of times we find ourselves doing things that are unproductive. A lot of times we find ourselves doing things that are harmful to us. And God is speaking to us constantly about all these areas of our life. Hey, if if I'm your rabbi, if I'm sitting on the throne of your heart, can, can you just leave this? Because I have something better for you. Can you just leave this? Because I want to free you of some stuff. Can you leave this here? Because I want to exchange that for something better. How many of you can say amen? You still with me? All right. So the process of obedience is painful. But the outcome of obedience is always power. Obedience is always followed by evidence. Obedience is always trailed by evidence. 
Full submission always results in power and testimonies. One of the things that I love about Northlands is just a culture of testimonies. Do it again, Lord. I love to see the videos, right, of what God is doing in our community because don't, don't get it twisted. God is moving in our community. God is doing miracles every day. God is healing people, restoring people, liberating people. And those stories need to get out. Those stories need to be told so that this community and this city knows that Jesus is in Northlands. And he is doing some great and mighty things amongst us. Amen. I thought I would hear more amens, but that's okay. <laughs> When we walk with Jesus, something has to change. Something has to change. We can't remain the same. There is a transformation that takes place in our lives that is both visible and evident. That's what the world is looking for. Something visible and something evident. And when we decide to walk in obedience, the Lord will use our lives to provide those around you, your sphere of influence. He is going to provide something visible and evident of the undeniable power of God. Amen. Yes, let's give the Lord a hand clap. How do I know that God moves powerfully? Because I know he's done it in my lives. He's done it in my life. Before you stands a former gang member, and I was just running the streets of New York City involved in all different types of things that were not pleasing to the Lord. But yet that day that I decided to throw out my CDs, that was the beginning of a powerful journey of intimacy with the Lord. Have I been perfect throughout it? Absolutely not. But you know who has? He has. Hallelujah. He has been perfect throughout it. I know Tyler shared a, a testimony of a young man last week he, that the young man said every day he kept coming back. He said, Jesus hasn't left me. And it's, it's almost as if he was speaking about me. Because every day I wake up, he's still there. Yeah. Every day I wake up, he's still perfect. Every day I wake up, he's still moving in my life. How do I, how, where do we see this in Scripture? Acts 4.13 talking about Peter and John. Listen to this. It says, now when they saw the boldness, say bold. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Is there evidence in your life that you have been with Jesus? Are there people around you that marvel because there is evident and visible power in your life? Do people around you know that you are a Jesus follower? I love the language in this verse because what they're saying is like Peter and John, they have no seminary training. Peter and John, they have no credentials. They don't be, they belong to a denomination they're not, they don't belong to this or to that. They're not Baptists or this or that. But what they did recognize was these men have been with Jesus. Because what they're doing, we've only seen it in the life of Jesus. 
So what are people seeing in our lives that Jesus did 2,000 years ago? Are we loving how Jesus loved? Are we serving the way Jesus served? Are we forgiving the way Jesus forgave? Because when we're called to be generous, when we're called to live a life of generosity, that also includes forgiving. Sometimes we don't make that connection. But we have to be generous in our forgiveness, just like Jesus was. If there are two words that describe the life of Jesus, I believe that they are obedience and power. But it always starts with obedience. It's never power than obedience. I think some of us would like it to be that way. If I would be 100% honest with you, I want the power. I want to walk in the power and authority and anointing that Jesus walked in. But sometimes I'm not willing to pay the price Jesus did. And we have to ask ourselves, are we willing to pay the price that Jesus paid? Obedience and power. And as we look at scripture, as we look in the gospels, there are 37 recorded miracles of Jesus. And he healed the sick. He calmed the storms. He raised the dead. Evidence always follows obedience. Because radical obedience always leads to undeniable power. And even though the process of obedience is painful, the result is always powerful. Now, what did that process look like in the life of Jesus? There are three places or three stops, if you will, that Jesus goes to to show radical obedience and undeniable power. The first stop is the Garden of Gethsemane. This was a hard place. Those of us who are familiar with what happened in Gethsemane, we see that Jesus is anxious. We see that Jesus is distressed. Jesus is in literal pain. Look what Matthew 26, 39 says. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What is Jesus saying here? Father, this process is going to be painful. Not only physically, but also emotionally and spiritually. But he says, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus at this moment is sorrowful. He was distressed. He was abandoned by his disciples. Where were his disciples at this time? Sleeping. While he is going through one of the toughest, roughest moments in his life, his friends abandon him. But it's so good to know that the father never abandoned him. And the father never abandons us. He felt distressed, abandoned. But yet what he was feeling, listen to this. What he was feeling was a deep desire to do the father's will. In other words, convictions over emotions. Sometimes we we move in our emotions too much and we call it a conviction. Should I say it again? Thank you, Robbie. 
Sometimes we move in our emotions and we call them convictions. But yet we know that that's not full submission. We know that that's not obedience. And that moment, Jesus chose obedience over his comfort. He chose obedience over the pain of the cross. And let me go even deeper. Why was Jesus so broken and so distressed? Because there was going to come a moment in time on the cross where his father would turn his back on him. But yet Jesus says, I choose obedience. The process is painful, but the result is always powerful. Let's go to Matthew 26, 42. It says, again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, the victory is here. Your will be done. The victory is always in us declaring your will be done in my life. Let me tell you something. The center of God's will is one of the most violent places on earth. It's, it's not easy. You know how I know I'm in the will of God? Because I'm experiencing peace and opposition. That's right. I'm experiencing peace because I know God is with me, but yet the devil is rising up against me. Peace and opposition always found in the will of God. Again, he says, your will be done. And Jesus understood the assignment, as the kids say. He knew his mission and his purpose to die as a ransom for many. What's the next place? The second place. The second stop, it is the cross. Luke 23, 46 says, and when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, have you ever thought about how loud that voice was? And Jesus cried out with a loud voice and he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last and I love what John 19.30 says. It says, so when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Again, radical obedience on display. This is what Paul was speaking about in, in, in Ephesians 2.8. So it says, it is finished. In the Greek, it is finished is the word tetelestai. That's a Greek term for a completed business transaction, price paid in full. Amen. Yes. The price for my sin was paid in full on the cross in the life of Jesus, which he lived in radical obedience. Now let's go to the third stop. The third stop was the tomb. Matthew 28, 5 and 6 says, but the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. 
Hallelujah. He is not here. Yes, hallelujah. For he is risen as he said. He told you he was coming back. And now he's back. Because this tomb is empty. Hallelujah. And, and, and it goes a little bit further. And, and it says, come and see where the place where the Lord lay. Men thought that this place was going to keep him here. But the father had a plan to raise him on the third day. So because the tomb is empty, our hearts are full today. Hallelujah. Yes. Luke 24, 5. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek dead people here? Jesus is alive. He rose. Hallelujah. And he is alive. If we want power, the type of power that transforms families, that transforms communities and cities, we must pick up our cross and follow him. Not a religious system, but an intimate relationship with the Savior, which will result in undeniable power. Hallelujah. That's right. Now, as I finish... Now, what happens when we accept this great invitation? What happens when we decide to obey? Number one, obedience creates space for God's power. Luke 5, 5. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. You guys remember this story? Here's the victory. Nevertheless, at your word. Say with me, at your word. I will let down the net. Tyler had the net last week. You guys remember that? So Peter is in a moment where he can say to Jesus, you know, Lord, I know you're the Messiah and all. I know you're the son of God. But guess what? Uh, This is my arena. I'm a fisherman. I'm a professional fisherman. I have my own boat. And I've been there all night. I know where the fish are. And we caught nothing. But, G, but, but we see here that Peter's victory was in his obedience. And the story says that Peter went out, they dropped the nets, and the nets couldn't even hold the amount of fish that, were, that they were catching. They had to call two other boats to come, and then those boats couldn't hold all the fish. All of that happened because Peter believed and obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went back out to a familiar place, but this time with undeniable power. And the last point that I want to share, obedience produces greater intimacy. John 14, 21 says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, keeps them, it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and will love him and manifest myself to him. So as we go back to our prop, for me, it was over 300 CDs that I decided to obey Jesus and say, you know what, Lord, if this is not going to be beneficial to me, if this is not going to be a blessing to me, I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to get rid of this and I'm going to obey your word. 
And let me tell you something. There hasn't been a day that I've missed these things. I'm not saying secular music is no good and none of, I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is that God is calling each and every one of us to take our bag of CDs, if you will, but only you know what that bag is. Only you know what it is. And when Jesus calls us to live in radical obedience, there are things along the way that we're gonna have to throw away. There are things along this journey that we're going to have to leave behind. Would you stand with me today? Jesus says to his disciples, if you love me, keep my commandments. In other words, if we can uh, modernize it a little bit, you love me, do what I tell you. You love me, do what I tell you. And Jesus was the ultimate example of radical obedience and undeniable power. He says, there's nothing I do outside of my Father's will. Every word that comes from my mouth is because it is a commandment that I've received from my Father, and his commandment is ever lasting life. Would you pray with me? Would you close your eyes with me and pray this morning? Father, we recognize today, Lord, that uh, discipleship is about living a life of radical obedience. And Father, I know that some of us struggle in different areas. And I just ask you, Lord God, for all of those that are here today and maybe watching online, Lord, Father, what are those areas where we're struggling to obey. Father, I pray that you give us the power. I pray, Lord God, that you break anything in our lives, any strongholds, Lord, break them, any addictions, any perceptions that are not of you, Lord. We ask that you break them in Jesus' name because radical obedience leads to undeniable power. God bless you.